0: Well, I don't want to listen to it. It's going to be a shithole. Can Can you at least just, like, give it a chance there before you shit all over it? No, it's a Glass Half Full episode. Of course it's going to be a shithole. Welcome to Wasted Potential Podcast for another episode of Glass Half Full. I'm your host, Ronnie, and with me, Beck, from his um, fun-loving trip uh, through the Amazon and an Indiana Jones-esque crusade through um, treasure robbing Incan Mayan temples, whatever indigenous race they were. Shane.
1: Yeah, I'm back. I don't got good news either. I was foretold three prophecies. One, I'd be replaced on this podcast by a hobo. <laughs> that came true. Two, Bill Cosby would be released from prison on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> and three, Joe Rogan is going to run for president. <laughs> I don't know if three going to be bad. We'll find out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um, Shane is back. Um, someone probably missed him. And uh, he gets to choose this week's film that we are going to talk about that we enjoy. Shane, what are we talking about this week?
1: So when I got back from my torture session of watching reruns of Envy and Shallow Hal while being locked <laughs> away in a forbidden Mayan temple, I thought to myself, what hell this is. What purgatory. And I said, well, at least I'm not in Bruges. So, <laughs> so I chose the movie starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Ralph Fiennes called In Bruges.
0: <laughs> yes, we are um, taking a, a beautiful, horrendous trip to 2008's uh, Martin McDonough's In Bruges, a film that we have a lot to say, but before we get into this, i um, just want to throw up a really quick trigger warning. This movie is extremely offensive, so if we're quoting or using things from the film, we're using it in the context of that film. It is
1: shockingly offensive. I did not remember... I mean, I remembered it having some off-color jokes, let's say, <laughs> but not to the extent that
0: I, rem- that I saw today. So with that... Let's open up a gay beer and get into this. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, what Shut is Shut up synops- and drink a gay beer. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, uh, what is the synopsis to the movie In Bruges? So, imagine the simplest story
1: that you could tell, and then just tell it even simpler and kill everybody. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> no, um, In Bruges is about two English hitmen who... Or given a ticket by their boss to go to Belgium, uh, Bruges, Belgium, and uh, hide out after a hit gone wrong has happened with one of them. They kind of take a tour, it's kind of about the one hitman Colin Farrell's character Ray dealing with the hit gone bad, and then um, the father figure hitman played by Brendan Gleeson Uh, Trying to guide him through and get him out of the life. All this comes to a head when Brendan Gleeson does not do, as told by his boss, Ralph Fiennes, uh, to kill Ray. And uh, his shenanigans ensues.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll try to avoid spoilers for the very, very ending. And if not, we'll throw some kind of warning out there. Because the ending kind of ties into some of the things I like. So... Mm -hmm. We'll give a warning if we're going to jump in full throttle there and and fuck this up. Uh, Great synopsis. Here's mine. Mm. Um, A teenaged hitman and Professor Moody hide out after a disastrous (laughs) murder in beautifully boring Bruges. It all ends in a bloody nightmare of fat people, a racist little person, drug-selling bandits, many uses of the word cunt, and a battle with Lord Voldemort. Oh,
1: you already said cunt. Because I was going to say you are a cunt. Harry, let's face it.
2: And, and that have be funny. I mean, no disrespect, but you're a cunt. You're a cunt now. You've always been a cunt. And the only thing that's going to change is you're going to become an even bigger cunt. Maybe you have some more cunt kids. Leave my kids fucking out of it. What have they done? You fucking retract that bit about my cunt fucking kids. I retract that bit about your cunt
1: fucking kids.
2: Insulting my fucking kids? That's going overboard, mate. I retracted it, didn't I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, probably my favorite line of the fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> there you go if you're offended leave now it's gonna get worse <laughs> it only gets deeper into darkness <laughs> so question number one uh, when did you first see this film shane
1: i saw this film way too young um and the first time i saw it i was like what the fuck was that like what this was the most like, the first time I saw it, I was like, that was the most boringest movie I've ever seen, and I fucking hate it. What's your and then, I think I got, like, early college, and one of my friends was talking about In Bruges, and I kept quoting it with them. And I was like, maybe I should watch it again, because I seem to enjoy the quotes from it. So I watched it again, and then now it's one of my little treasures I always go to, and my wife just hates me for it.
0: <laughs> uh yeah that's like uh, my wife i told my wife like last night she's never seen it i'm like you'll actually like this it's actually funny and she gave it, like 10 minutes and then was like no. <laughs> and she just did, no it's it's comedy is of the darkest variety her her exact quote was is it gonna be like this the entire film <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course it's gonna be like this the fucking entire film it's fucking bruge <laughs>
0: I'm, try, I'm trying to remember when I first saw it. I think you showed it to me. I think it's one of those ones like Snatch and Layer Cake that you were quoting at me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you said, you've never seen In Bruges. I'm like, no. So then I think we watched it. And then and then I think I liked it. And then I watched it a few years later with my mom. Because I don't remember why we watched it. But then I liked it a lot. And I really loved it. I think it kind of grows more on me the more I watch it. It reminds me
1: of... If someone was a big fan of Tarantino, and they wanted to write a short story based on Tarantino's tropes, and so they did. But it's not like a Tarantino copy, per se, it just follows a lot of the things that he likes to do,
0: mm-hmm. but with
1: a Britishism to it.
0: Yeah, Martin McDowell was a playwright, an Irish playwright, and the main characters are all Irish, and um, except for Ralph Fiennes' Uh, British, but, um, but yeah, he wrote, um, he wrote plays and he won an Oscar for a short film starring Brendan Gleeson about a hitman. So and this, and I think he kind of took that idea and I was watching some behind the scenes stuff about this and, and the story was like, he was in Bruges and he, and his idea was, Oh, I love it. And then I hated it. So then he kind of took the idea of like <laughs> putting two hit men traveling abroad and dealing with that. So it's, it's kind of amalgamation there. And, but yes, yeah, for sure. I get Tarantino and, um, Guy Richie vibes, for sure. He said it's like he's living in a dream. He said that, did he? <laughs> we'll get into that. That that one ties into, like, some uh, one of the things I love about this movie that I noticed this time, which I guess goes to this one. What's your most recent reaction since... I watched it last night. What was your reaction?
1: I wanted to do as many parodies of it in our podcast as possible. I was like, <laughs> I want us to be, like, well, he doesn't like the podcast. How can you not fucking like it? It's a fairy tale. It's a wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's fucking great. Who doesn't like fucking Bruges? <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Fiennes. Uh, okay, so this time, um, I always liked Ralph Fiennes' character. He was like my favorite. This, But this time, he's like the main reason I loved it. And also, Colin Farrell was more enjoyable this time than I remember him. Um, his character, I don't quite understand it. It seems like Colin Farrell just wanted to be himself in a way. I, I don't know. His character's weird. He's almost not human. But uh, he it's a interesting character you don't see often. And then Brendan Gleason's just an old man wanting to be on vacation in Bruges.
0: <laughs> That's my recent reaction, too, is I remember loving Colin Farrell in this. And then this time, it's, it's, he's not bad, it's just some of the, the very first switch in the first 10 minutes when um, when Brendan Gleeson mentions the incident and hints at it, he's a really quick kind of like moody turn on him, and it's, I'm like, oh, that's not good, but I think over time it develops a little bit better, where like, he, you can tell he's obviously feeling guilt, but it's, his is extremely off-putting. At first, yeah. but, um, but he, he, he grows on you more. I think now as I'm a little older, he's more annoying to me, but I think by the end though, he has an, a more acceptable arc of, okay, he's, that's why I joked in the, my synopsis called a teenager, because basically what he is. He is not mm-hmm. going to to be a hitman. He is an immature like Pratt and, and he has like no business being in this world. That's kind of the point though.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like the whole thesis of uh, Brennan Gleeson's character,
0: Ken. Yeah, because that's like, like you said, like he's like the father figure, and he and he sees him as like a chance to kind of save him and get him out of this life because he's Brendan Gleeson's kind of accepted. He tells him in that scene when they're at the art gallery, like, I know eventually I'm gonna have to accept what I've done and come to consequences with it, but you can still get out mm-hmm. while you can, which goes into the theme, which is something I want to talk about in a little bit.
1: I just love the approach to like, I, for some reason I didn't catch it. I always knew they didn't like being in Bruges, but like, I just love the shitting on the city where it's like, yeah, it's great, but fuck this city. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, you know, that's what he wanted to say before I died.
0: Fucking Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, um, that's, that's my first point. I said, this movie perfectly captures traveling for me. I perfectly relate to this idea of like, I just got back from a trip to San Francisco, and I enjoy San Francisco, but I fucking hate it too. It's kind of the idea of like it's nice to be somewhere different for a few days, and then there's nothing more, and I want to go back home.
1: Especially fucking San Francisco. Forget any <laughs> listeners there? Fucking clean your shoes.
0: <laughs> old, first put shoes on.
1: Oh, you fucking hippies.
0: <laughs> but. It perfectly captures it because, like, part of me when I travel feels like London, police. I'm like, oh, look at this beautiful museum, look at this history, look at this. And then part of me in Colongville, I'm like, I hate this place. I just want to go drink and turn my brain off because I'm so tired of not being home right now. I just want to go back home. <laughs> so, I think it perfectly captures that. I'm gonna go to the pub and get pissed.
1: We need more Britishisms. Like, American slang sucks. British slang is truly the pinnacle of slang.
0: I think we discussed this before. I, I like when we talked about Snatch, I, I think you just like it because it sounds not exotic, but it sounds different. Because it's like we're in California and Californians, everything is slang and it gets obnoxious. So we're used to like the normal stuff, but the Britishisms are like, you know, it's, it's a nice little like a touch of like, oh, this is something different I never heard before. And it's better than you know, the same things we hear every single day.
1: Yeah, I just want to get pissed,
0: right? That's a good one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> oh, <my> b-
1: <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have oh. been such a b- <laughs> oh god <laughs> is that I don't think I can use that yeah, one <laughs> that one may not be able to be used that one doesn't seem to it doesn't bite as much when you use it but I guess the meaning behind it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um, I guess I'll jump into that uh, this movie's fucking foul and offensive whether it's the over a hundred F words in this movie or the very di- distasteful gay jokes or little people jokes oh or race jokes God. or disabled yeah. people jokes or fat people jokes, or it's basically like a teenager is just saying the most awful. It's basically Cartman. It's like a Cartman is walking around saying awful things, but Cartman goes to Bruges. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cartman goes to Bruges, but except if Cartman actually felt guilt and actually has like an arc, but he doesn't. Oh, this scene with
1: the Americans. Been to the top of the tower?
0: Yeah, it's
1: rubbish.
2: It is? Guidebook says it's a must-see. Well, you lot ain't going up there. Pardon me? Why? I mean, it's all windy stairs. I'm not being funny. What exactly are you trying to say? What exactly am I trying to say? These are a bunch of fucking elephants. Come on, leave it, fatty. You know you're just the rudest man. The rudest man. Guys,
0: I wouldn't go up there. It's really narrow.
2: Screw you, motherfucker! It's
0: Americans, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. That's the the next point I want to get to is payoffs. Everything in this movie, payoffs. And the first one is the Americans. Did you catch what happened to the fat American? Mm-hmm. The heart attack on the stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the scene when... Oh, um, uh, shit, the names. I don't know why these names escape me. Ken and Ray. Harry are going up to the tower in Bel oh, and yeah. Bruges. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the guy tells him it's closed because an American had a heart attack. Oh, it's perfect, It Paid off. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, literally everything pays off. It's like the tightest writing I've seen yet in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like even the change his four ninety that he was going to spend to get into the tower, he spends to like clear the path for him to, you know.
0: Yes, yeah, so the by the ending, <laughs> the, the 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 change pays off. Um, I wrote down a few of them. The, the fairy tale. The, we we joke about it. the 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 scene is um this isn't really a spoiler, but um Harry is t- tells Ken to kill Ray because Ray made a big mistake, and then um and the joke is Ray hates Bruges because it's boring. He's like a younger guy who just wants to get pissed and and like get laid and kind of screw around, and um, and he hates Bruges. So then Ken lies to Harry, saying, "Oh, it's beautiful. It's nice." And then Harry and then uh, Harry says, well, it's nice he, he had that moment, he he was a nice person, and he says it was like a fairy tale. What's the exact quote he says?
1: It, he said, he was out there and the fog rolled in. It was a beautiful fog, and he said, it's like I'm in a dream. It's like I'm
0: awake, but I'm in a dream. He, he said that, did he? So he jokes like like it's a fairy tale, and then by the end of the film Mm -hmm. they're shooting a movie and it's all fairy tale. It's all like this fantastical thing which pays into what happens to Harry at the end. He's he's in his head and he's and it screws him over by the end, so it's all fantastical, so it pays off there. It's a fairy tale fucking town, isn't
2: it? How can a fairy tale town not be somebody's fucking thing? How can all those canals and bridges and cobble streets and those churches and all that beautiful fucking fairy tale stuff how can that not be somebody's fucking thing, eh? What I think I meant to say was. Is the swan still there?
0: Yeah, the swan. fucking swan's not fucking be somebody's fucking thing, eh? How can that be? The the karate scene. It's a stupid, <laughs> it's a stupid joke where they talk about um, a lollipop man knowing karate when um Ken and, Ken kills an innocent man technically. And they're arguing over whether or not he was innocent. And then what if he knew karate? And then then later, uh, Ray uses karate on the little person. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I,
1: I think the the scene's like... Uh... I have to reconcile myself with the fact that, yes, I have killed people.
2: Not many people. Most of them are not very nice people. Apart from one person. Who's that? Uh, this fella, Danny Alaban's brother. He's just trying to protect his brother. He's like, you or I would. Just a lollipop man. He came at me with a bottle. What are you gonna do? Shot him down. Hmm. In my book though. Sorry, if someone comes at you with a bottle. That is a deadly weapon, he's gotta take the consequences. I know that in my heart. I also know that he's just trying to protect his brother, you know. I know, but a bottle, they can kill you a case of it's you or him if he come at you with his bare hands that'd be different I and mean, that wouldn't have been fair well technically your bare hands can kill somebody too they can be deadly weapons too what if you knew karate say he said he was a lollipop man he was a lollipop man what's a lollipop man doing on fucking karate i'm just saying how old was he
0: about 50.
2: what's a 50 year old lollipop man doing on fucking karate what was he a chinese lollipop man <laughs>
0: and then they top it with another racial (laughs) slur.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, just Jesus Christ. It's constant. Some of it's so cringy, where you're like, I I like writers taking chances and doing off-color jokes and really pushing it, but, like, it's strange.
0: Things like that don't bother me, but there's a lot of moments where I did cringe, but by the end of the film... It doesn't make up for it, and doesn't excuse it, but Ray learns to like not be a total dick to the to the, to the to like the, the little person. And then there's that scene when um when they're doing cocaine and the little guy is just like going off on a racist tirade. So it's showing that like the characters know racism is bad. Just they're just saying awful things because it's just they're hitmen. They're just they're just these people that have at least Ray has very little moral codes except for like one thing. And it's like, I just say awful things just because (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's like,
1: this movie is obviously before Peter Dinklage kind of really changed how you view little people in serious roles, where they were kind of, in every movie, the butt of the joke for everything. I'm kind of glad to see that change now, because I I view this movie differently when I see it. You're just like, Jesus Christ. Like, I see what he's doing it's so
0: fucked you, up you have to this is it's movie's hard because you have to accept that all mm-hmm. these characters are awful but there's some kind of glimmer of hope for them even though they're goddamn awful they're just they're they're all first of all they're all murderers and then ray's just like he just pops a woman in the face because the bottle thing which pays off i guess it's the whole <laughs> their payoff too it, that's the bottle payoff uh, yeah, <laughs> Which is like one of the funniest lines I've ever in the movie, but um, I, I don't know, it's I don't want to apologize for this movie because it's a movie, I didn't make it, but we're talking about it, but it's, it's justified in the idea that the characters know what they're saying is awful and they don't actually believe them, it's just Colin Farrell's an immature child and he just says things and doesn't realize it because he has that moment when he's on the date with uh, Chloe and he makes a joke about teenagers getting like kidnapped, like <laughs> raped and murdered, and then and then Chloe plays him for a joke, and then he, he actually has guilt. He actually feels bad for that joke, and she says, I'm just messing with you. You should see how sad you look. It's so like he knows he's not supposed to say those things, but it's almost like a nervous tick. Because if you watch Colin Farrell, which the more I think about it, it's a brilliant performance because he's constantly like twitching. He's just he's just like this, like it's not like He's shaky, he's he's a nervous wreck. He's shaky, and he's trying to make these jokes to kind of put it off. Because he's when he first meets Chloe, he's making all these horrendous things about little people dying and killing themselves, which is super super dark. Oh, but God. then he's he has like that guilt going on there. So he so I, to me, how I justify this is like he says awful things because he's nervous and doesn't know what else to say. But there is that level of like, I know you can't be awful to people because they have that last moment when before the crescendo of an ending or Chloe, the the little guy, what's his name? I should know the character's name. I know the actor's name is Joseph, but, um, and then Ray are sitting there like, and they have like this final moment of like talking before all hell breaks loose.
1: Um, I also take away from this that Colin Farrell should never be allowed to do a big budget film. He sucks. Anytime he does a big budget film, but whenever he's in some fucking obscure indie, he's a treasure. He's like Irish Bill Murray.
0: <laughs> he, um, my favorite performances by Colin Farrell are um, The Lobster, which is like a phenomenal, like, dark comedy about romance. It's amazing. And then, obviously, you know, his role as Bullseye and Daredevil are my favorite performances. <laughs> That's all
1: I could think about was. I missed. I never miss.
2: <laughs>
0: Bullseye.
1: <laughs> what you heard called?
0: Pays off children. That's all I'm going to say. Children pay off by the end there. Um, yep, the dream sequence pays off there. We mentioned that fairy tales. The painting pays off too. They're in mm-hmm. the uh, they're in the cathedral talking about heaven, hell, purgatory, and and you have all these costume characters and things. And by the end of the film, when they're in the fairy tale, the movie, the the paintings are there, and then the very end monologue they mention like heaven, hell. And then finally, the bullets. The bullets pay off when Harry goes to buy them from Yorgi. Is it Yorgi or Dumb Yuri? Yuri, the L- are yeah, yeah, yeah. Yorgy's from fucking XXX. Um But yeah, he, he goes. He goes and buys hollow-point bullets. What does what, what he call them? Dum-dums. Dum-dums. <laughs> <It's so> stupid. <laughs>
1: the dum-dums make your head explode. The quotes. L- <laughs> I know I shouldn't, but... <laughs> Did he go on about the fucking alcoves with you? Yeah, yeah, oh alcoves. yeah, the alcoves! <laughs> uh, the blind eye. Which part? The robbery gone bad pays off. Yes, yes, the blanks. Everything's tied together. Like, apparently mm-hmm. there's only seven people in Bruges.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> well, it is a small town, and it's in Christmas time, so, like, the idea of it's the only people who are there are really tourists. They're celebrating on holiday, as they say. But um, that's an interesting thing, too, the idea of, like, like why are these? Because you have Canadians there, Americans there, and then British and Irish. It's like, why are they all there? I'm like, oh, because it's holiday. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, this random assortment of people. So it, it makes sense to have these Irish hitmen in the middle of Belgium. Send this podcast
1: to Bruges. yeah
0: i'll enjoy the sightseeing and shane will get really mad when i make him go see a cathedral and touch the blood of christ
1: no it's not a fucking
0: important it's only the fucking blood of christ (laughs) (laughs) if you have not seen in bruges this podcast is gonna like i'm gonna do as many clips as i can (laughs) but really we're gonna get copyrighted
1: so hard because we're basically just gonna put the whole fucking movie
0: so uh, if you haven't seen it watch it first and then uh, this all might make sense because we're trying to not do too many spoilers, but everything Shane's saying right now is just a reference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what else to do. That's all this movie is built for, is to reference. <laughs> yeah, um, what are some things you love about it? All right, first. Uh, I wrote it down. Actually, I actually did notes this time. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, that, that wonderful BDSM torture session in Peru, living off of hamster meat and fucking Peruvian whips, uh, change me. <laughs> I don't think that was offensive, right? Maybe now yeah. it is, now that I said that.
0: We give a trigger <laughs> warning.
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We're, we're absolved of our sins. Alright, um, first, Ralph finds my number one love in this. His character, Harry, is just incredible on screen. Mm-hmm. His character is awful. Everyone oh. knows he's awful, but he is so... He's a man of principle.
0: We've been talking about him. We've really jumped through the characters, but give us context of who Harry is in relation to the film. Harry is kind of like the, I guess, the boss of the Hitmen
1: um, gang. I, I don't quite know. I, I just know he's their boss. Um, Ken owes Harry a huge debt because of he, Ken lost his wife due to a uh, hate crime. And Harry basically found the guy and killed him for Ken. And Ken has wants to uh, have Ray killed because of the hit gone bad where the kid died. And he's like, you just his his whole thing is if you kill a kid, you're not allowed to live. Period. Like, accident or no accident. And he he cusses every other word. He has an insane temper. But he is a devout man of principle. Like, he has a very strict code of honor. (laughs) And he uh, actually kind of has a heart. Because he's got, like, a family and kids. Ken even convinces him to, like, kind of back down before everything pops off.
0: Well, even in that, spoilers, when the, the final confrontation, he doesn't mortally wound him. Uh-huh. He, he, he clips him so so then he could kind of get out of that still he has a heart yeah like you said he has a heart for Ken and it's, it's very obvious there so it's that's why I said like all these characters are so gray it's why I like this movie it's gray and I like gray movies because then like it, it pushes you to kind of like dive and swim through your own morality and ethics to kind of like accept yeah <laughs> <it.
1: laughs> Um, the second thing I loved dearly in this film was Colin Farrell. I loved his performance. I I enjoyed him, uh, his little growth. I think he did a good job at portraying um, the guilt that he was feeling mixed in with this comedic goof of a character. And uh, the last thing, the third thing I really loved was the insanely slow build of this movie to get to a what the fuck are we here for and then oh mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> yeah it's that's kind of like um uh, it's very tarantino-esque where it's a very in, he tarantino and um mcdonough because if, if, i'm not sure if you've seen seven psychopaths or have you seen um Three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri, whatever it's called, but yes, he makes you work for the violence. But once you get to that point, it it ramps up quick.
1: Yep, the bell tower scene is the Traglaza scene. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's where you go, uh <laughs> oh.
0: Oh well, no! But even then, I was thinking of the the the, the same scene in, um, in in Glorious Bastards, where they're in the bunker and, and see as Aldo says the Mexican standoff when um. When, uh, when Harry and, and Ray are having their standoff too, mm-hmm. It's almost exactly the same thing. It's almost yeah. the exact same thing. Just let him come up, it's okay. Harry,
2: swear not to start shooting until she's left the hotel. I swear not to start shooting until she's left the hotel, I totally swear. Well, I'm not going anywhere. This is my hotel, so you can fuck off. I suppose you got a gun up there? Yep. Yeah. But well, what are we gonna do? We can't stand here all night. Why don't you both put your guns down and go home? Don't be stupid. This is the shootout. Harry, I've got an idea. What? My room faces onto the canal, right? I'm gonna go back to my room, jump into the canal, and see if I can swim to the other side and escape. Right. If you go outside and round the corner, you can shoot at me from there and try and get me. That way we leave this lady and her baby out of the whole entire thing. You completely promise to jump in the canal. I don't wanna run out there, come back in ten minutes and find you fucking hiding in a cupboard. I completely promise, Harry. Not gonna risk having another little kid die, am we? So hang on. I go outside, then I go which way, right or left? You go right, don't you? You can see it from the doorway. It's a big fucking canal. All right. Jesus, I've only just got here, haven't I? Okay. On account of one, two, three, go. Okay. Okay.
1: What? Who says it? Oh, you say it. You
2: guys are crazy.
1: Yeah, the the witty, the like, straight to the point banter that mm-hmm. occurs, followed by murder.
0: <laughs> tons and tons of men.
1: <laughs> um, what about you? What are the three things you love? <laughs> I love how you say it so
0: like you don't give a shit. I don't um,
1: give a fuck what you have to say. You an inanimate <laughs> fucking object.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mentioned the traveling. I mentioned the payoffs. Um, tone. I like the tone. I think mm. the tone. The tone. Uh, the very first scene is super slow. It's like um, just beautiful shots of Belgian stuff. And then, then we have the, the wonderful banter of um, Ray and Ken. And then the only, the only that first five minutes, I think it's a little whiplashy, but by the end it works up to that, those really big tone shifts. I love a good tone shift. I like dark comedy. I think dark comedy is like my favorite and probably one of your favorite too. kind of film genres. I, I really respect how a director can like make you laugh make you feel things, make you feel like heartwarming and then just like kind of pull the rug underneath you. So it's, I think it, it starts a little wonky, but it's the slower build. And then when you finally figure out what Ray's done to feel all this guilt, I think that's when it shifts for me. and I feel much more for Ray's character. So then like, I actually feel bad for this like insensitive, like pig basically, because he's actually feeling this remorse or doing something really heinous. And then from there, the tonal shifts are so organic and feel well earned because so many moments I don't I can't say too many of them without spoiling it. Uh, but like uh, in the
1: park where yes he's going to kill himself and he he's about to murder him in the park so he stops him from killing himself. Yes. <laughs> and he screams at him
0: and he screams says you're going to kill me. You're going to kill yourself. <laughs>
1: wait a fucking second, he was going to blow his fucking brains out when you were going to shoot him and you stopped him?
0: <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Dude, Ray Fines has just like the perfect spewing of words. He speaks so mm-hmm. perfectly and so quickly. It's it's amazing. I, I love him in this film. I love him in everything he does. He's fantastic, but this film, he's so like a thousand miles a minute and it's... So clearly and so poignantly and so like, like, you know, like, a... it's
1: weird seeing him in this and him as M in, uh, James Bond. Cause I keep waiting for him to call money penny an inanimate
0: fucking object. <laughs> <laughs> that or he's in this Netflix movie from this year called dig where he's like this, like anthropologist. And he's also, um, uh, he's also Baltimore and he's also mm-hmm. a ton of things. He's, uh, he's got a great range. Oh, grand Pest hotel. That one too. oh yes where he it loves to bang grandmas <laughs> um i think the my favorite thing of this movie is the theme i like me some good themes too and it's just it's um. the idea of guilt but then cause and effect because just these are all murderous people and it and, it, and it, everything pays off so that cause and effect is like no one can escape it so they talk about like religion they talk about like you know, paying the piper, like, I know one day I'm going to pay for what I've done, and everyone kind of has to pay up. Literally, Ken is literally throwing pennies and has to pay what he's owed mm-hmm. th- for, like, the ending. And then he gets to the ending. It's a little ambiguous, but I think I have a strong stance on how it ends. But, um, but yeah, everyone has to kind of answer for what they've done.
1: And live forever in Bruges.
0: <laughs> yeah you're stuck in purgatory forever
1: stuck in Bruges
0: <laughs> Um Please god don't let me die Bruges <laughs> um, quotes so many quotes um, we've oh gone through a couple god. my favorite one is oh a bottle fuck me and then she just punches her in the face <laughs> <I'm just trying. laughs>
1: I don't know many hit women but she came in with a bottle <laughs> <laughs> or uh there's gotta be a war Oh, my God. <laughs> oh which side are the Vietnamese going to be on
0: <laughs> he doesn't want the fucking Vietnamese on his side he doesn't want the fucking Vietnamese on his side you're crazy oh speaking of which that pays off too he's uh, he, he's in the restaurants and he, and he thinks they're American but they're Canadian and he says what about the Vietnamese and he goes what do you fucking mean the Vietnamese I've been sitting here there's nothing to fucking do within it the Vietnamese you're saying it louder doesn't mean it makes any more sense to me. <laughs>
1: And make it make more sense. <laughs> uh, I guess that I'm gonna skip a little forward because we I think we're just gonna keep getting caught just quoting things at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the things I didn't like. Okay. The first one was the female character. I don't like Chloe. I feel like she she had nothing to do. Like I I I don't dislike her. I just feel like she was an afterthought in the script. Like, she kind of helps drive... Like, she's important to the plot. But her character kind of just stares and is just supposed to be pretty, I guess. Like, it, she's supposed to be this infatuation figure for him and, like, this redemption thing for him. But it... I don't know. She wasn't given a lot to really, like, do anything.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the, the... I have two things that changed. My biggest one was like the female character's have a purpose in the plot but they don't have a lot to do. I know the only in the romance with them it's quick, but I guess it kind of makes sense that she's not a good person either. Her entire job yeah. is to just sell drugs and to rob tourists, so I guess her her moral compass is flawed too. I guess that's why she likes Ray, so it kind of makes sense, but yeah, she doesn't have much to do besides she's there, to, like you said, she's redemption, she gives him hope.
1: Why are you giving ketamine to dwarves? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, for sure. Uh, she and then the um, I like the uh, the only thing she has the, the, the hostel owner, the hotel owner, the only kind of fun redemption thing or little thing she has at the end there is mm. she, when Harry calls the reception, she says, I own it, and then she says, This is my hotel, I'm not moving. That's basically it. She, yeah. She's basically just an example of. She's basically just there so that so that um so that Harry doesn't end the movie too quickly because she's pregnant. So he has a moral code <laughs> to, to not get involved with people I, who have children.
1: I forgot about that wonderful letter that introduces us to the character of Harry, yes. where she's like, "You have a message." He's like, "What kind of fucking hotel does it have a fucking answering machine?" <laughs> Where were you? Why aren't you fucking there? i got to sit here with a fucking receptionist and give her a dictate
0: exactly what I fucking want to say. <laughs> That's why, um, and I like the, the choice by the director to not show Harry's face until Ken tells him off, and he's just smashing that phone, and it's a perfect, like, flat one-take angle of him just destroying that phone, and then he says, your favorite line of all time.
2: So if you need to do your worst, do your worst. I've got the address of the hotel. I'll be here waiting. Because I've got to quite like Bruges now. It's like a fucking fairy tale or something. It's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object!
1: (laughs) I'm sorry I called you an inanimate fucking object. Yeah, I I like
0: that. Like you said, that it gives him that his depth of character of like he has a family and he is, he's and he's a man of honor as he says. <laughs> <laughs> Got to stick to your principles. <laughs> I can't remember the context now, but one of my favorite lines is "We're still in fucking Bruges." I can't remember what that context is now. I'm, I'm blanking on it. It's from last night.
1: I uh, my buddy and I always quote the uh, back and forth between him and Ken when he's all, like. uh well, it's, a, it's like a fairy tale when you're there. And like, it's like, he's like, he said that, did he? He's like, I, we, I, we could do
0: something nice for him before we kill him. <laughs> um, my next favorite one is, you heat the American, the Canadian?
1: You heat the Canadian? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I What the what? What the fuck are you saying?
1: You heat the Canadian. <laughs> I, I, I
0: love Colin Firle's mannerisms. He just looks around the corner and he goes, that's him! And he goes, uh, oh, the Canadian... <laughs> he's like we're going back to bruges
1: oh cool. wonderful <laughs> wonderful <laughs> yeah i forgot how he went back because i was like when he got on the train i was like how does this tie back together yeah he's like you heat the canadian like, oh,
0: one, and we're back <laughs> once again that that's that tight thing where it's like nothing is wasted everything's wasted the, the scene where he punches the canadians it comes right back and it, it pulls them back in so nothing is ruined and you could say maybe he went back and we wrote it to tie it in, but regardless, it's all tight. It all comes back around. Nothing is wasted. Everything is used.
1: Mm-hmm. No fat on this thing. Like, It is a wonderful little dish.
0: Yeah, but and I can see people saying it's slow, but I for me, I like slow burns, but I don't think it's slow, because it, it has to slow bring you in, because you have to care for these characters. You have to like get the full roundedness of these characters, because by the end, when it's a mess you have to be like okay i i actually maybe i don't you don't like the characters but from you understand them and you at the very least care what happens to them at the end
1: so as i was being tortured deep in an incan burial site
0: you are not gonna (laughs) by
1: (laughs) by the old guans with a golden dildo i (laughs) i came to a revelation um And I looked back on our journey through movies and I've realized there is, there is this word slow is dumb because there is bad pacing. And then there is a slow burn kind of thing. Like I think a lot of people confuse pacing with uh, taking your time in a movie. Like Mm -hmm. no one will say that Pulp Fiction is slow although it takes its sweet time to get anywhere. But it has good pacing in the scenes. There is interest, there is everything. Um, Power Rangers, wouldn't, people wouldn't say it's a slow movie, but it feels like it's forever because it has the worst pacing. I, people need to just, especially our general audience, needs to learn what pacing is and what slow is.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, slow. When I say the word slow, I don't mean it derogatorily. I mean it just kind of like I like but slow takes things sweet time. because, for example, I love the movie The Exorcist. That's a oh, slow yeah. movie because it takes an hour and a half to get. Well, it takes an hour to get to the the demon. It takes two hours to get to the exorcism. But the point <laughs> being is like it builds up to that, and sure, yeah. the pacing is slow but you have to get there. But I think your, your point of like that or, or another example, uh, Dan and I are talking about a movie called into the furnace, which I can't recommend to anybody. Cause that movie, God damn me. Anders, everything <laughs> pays off, but it's fucking slow to get to the, the plot of it. So Christian I Bale? like things. See, like I like slow films. If there's a payoff to them, if there's some, some reasoning behind it, but yeah, there's, a no. difference between a slow pace, slow-burn, versus poor pacing.
1: I need a good end to this date, or it's a waste of my fucking time.
0: <laughs> I need a happy ending at the very least.
1: Yeah. Anytime I sit down to a movie, you can take as much time as you want,
0: but we fuck it in the end. What you want to call well My favorite final quote I wrote down is, Don't be stupid, this is a shootout. <laughs> Uh, when when uh, Harry's talking to the uh, the hotel owner at the end, don't be stupid. He's it's like shootout. it's the shootout. <laughs> <laughs> like it... yeah, it's the shootout. It's almost kind of it's almost kind of meta. Where it's this shootout. It's almost like you're saying this is the part of the movie where we start yeah, shooting I each mean, other. Yeah. <laughs> <Duh. laughs>
1: <laughs> like, well, and it makes sense too because it's meta and it is it because he's very methodical and there's like all these rules like this kind of dueling system they have when there's a disagreement. Like, like we can't just shoot each other in public. It's not a gang hit, you know, like we got to find a quiet mm-hmm. place. And then I can't shoot you if you don't have a gun. So like, there's all these like honor bound rules.
0: He Well, he has honor bound rules to those who follow him. He has them with Ken, but as soon as Ray sees Ray at the end, the rules are out the window because Harry becomes a maniac.
1: Well, and he beats the shit out of the bell tower guy.
0: <laughs> the
1: bell tower is closed.
0: Well, yeah, like I had no honor, and um, and that pays off too. Like Ken, Ken, like Ken has a patience. Harry does not have patience, and that fucking guy learns it right quick.
1: Do you enjoy your job?
0: I can understand if you don't like this movie because it's offensive. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not your kind of paces of a film, but if you're a film person, you gotta respect the writing. Uh, Martin McDowell has knows how to pay all these things off and everything's set up. So at the very least from that perspective, if you're a film person, you gotta see M Bruce for the performances and the writing. It's perfectly made for us. It's a
1: slow ass movie uh, with really raunchy, like off color jokes and tremendous violence. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you seen the three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri? No, I have not. You should. We should put that one on because that one's Sam Rockwell and Frances McDormand, and this podcast stands by Sam Rockwell and whatever he does. But you should check that one out. Next, that one, that one, goddamn, that one, that one really pushes you mm. on liking those characters. Those characters are fucking unlikable, but <laughs> it's. A- it's a brilliantly performed and made film. So check that one out next. You should put that on your list. Isn't, uh, about it at the...
1: isn't Peter Bill Not Peter Billingsley. Fuck that guy. Um, it, uh, <laughs> no, uh, what? But, uh, uh, I just said his name earlier. Not Dinklage. No, Peter uh, Dinklage. Woody Harrelson's in it. Uh, okay, yeah. I thought Peter Dinklage's in it. Dude, how about Peter Billingsley? I wish he'd fucking go to Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> ruined fucking christmas
0: what you're a cult? Oh, we're trying to we're still we still send that email to you peter if you're going you to come on to our, our christmas podcast this year we'll we'll force you to watch a, a mormon film love it
1: is it funny now that after watching ralph finds every time i see that hobo tweet on our page to dan rather <laughs> that i just picture dan rather reading them and smashing phones and <laughs> like, planning to Meet that hobo in Bruges. (laughs) (laughs) At Dan Rather, you scumbag. You motherfucker! (laughs) Uh,
0: um, Anything else you'd want to... You enjoy anything else you'd want to change about the film? I kind of left the third open. There was something... Oh, did I...
1: Already talk about the kind of dwarf angle? I feel like the writer just has some weird thing with like little people and it was, I, I know I see the payoff and I don't say like, Oh, you should have got rid of them. But like the approach and like almost like patronizing way he dealt with them in this was, is it took me out a little bit. I feel like there could have been a little more respect and some jokes, but I, I don't know how to feel, because like it's a big part of the movie, and the I guess some of the comedy, but I, I don't know if it's just it didn't age as well, but I feel like that could have been approached a little more uh, subtly or with some more tact.
0: I was, exactly what I was going to say, it's, it's kind of tactless, and of all the terrible things they go on, they don't let up on that until the very no. end of it, so... I think toning it down, because, like you said, I see what they're doing. They're like, he's making fun of them. And then they show an example of a person who's, like, just as awful as anyone else, regardless of his stature. <laughs> and in the end, they kind of, you know, have their, their you know, comeuppance moment there. Like, they, yeah. they, they have a moment of, like, you know, solidarity. But you're right, it's... It's to a point where you said cringing, and it's... Well, we've already said it. It's fucking offensive. There's no way around <laughs> it. It's fucking offensive.
1: It's gonna be a war, man. I could see it. It's gonna be a war between the blacks and between the whites. You ain't even getting any uniform no more. This ain't gonna be a war where you pick your side. Your side's already picked for you.
2: I don't know whose side I'm fighting on. Fighting with the blacks. Whites are gonna get their heads kicked in. You don't decide this shit, man. Well, who are the half-cats gonna fight with? With the blacks, man. That's obvious. But what about the Pakistanis? The blacks. <sighs> what about... What about the Vietnamese? The blacks! Well, I'm definitely fighting with the blacks if they cut the Vietnamese. Would all of the white midgets in the world be fighting against all the black midgets in the world? Yeah.
1: <sighs> That'd make a good film. You don't know how much shit I've had to take off a of black midgets, man. That's
2: undeniably true. See, Jimmy, my wife was black, and I loved her very much. And in 1976, she was murdered by a white man. So tell me, Jim, whose side do I fight on in this wonderful war? I think you need to weigh up all your options and let your conscience decide, Ken. Two monkey hookers and a racist dwarf. I think I'm heading home. Yeah, I come with you. Hey, what? Back off, shorty. You don't know karate. Ah! Don't say you don't
1: didn't, say you know you didn't comment. have a comment. short Shortass! I retract this statement about your cunt kids, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Weird. Weird. T- tell Towing around this fucking film.
1: Okay. Um. And then the third, I don't know if I really would change. I, I, I had a hard time coming up with the third thing. Maybe you got something I'll agree with, but those were the only two that I was like, eh. I wish that would have been better, more uh, more whispering from uh Brendan Gleeson. Man, if I could like just record all his whispering and put me to bed. Oh, just Irish <laughs> whispering by Brendan Gleeson, talking about <laughs> Jesus' his blood. They went to the Crusades. The <laughs> of oh, Christ. God damn it. God damn it.
0: Just fucking respect. <laughs> um, I think we mentioned. Beefing up the female characters Mm -hmm. and making her not just, you know, she's got something there, but she's mostly just kind of like a a prize for Colin Farrell at the end.
1: Yeah. It's not disrespectful on them. It's just, they weren't given much, which has kind of been a theme in a lot of the uh, stuff we've revisited. But I guess, you know, at some point there's going to be characters that kind of get neglected a little bit, but I feel like Chloe was prime for some, some more substance there was there was a lot you could have done that punch her up a little bit
0: yeah because all the characters are dealing with guilt and she doesn't really have any guilt she only has guilt when they try to rip off ray and she actually likes him but that's not really the guilt it's kind of just like a miscommunication so maybe if like she had a, a scene at the end where she regrets something that would at the very least give her you know like some kind of arc there because all these characters are you know are flawed and awful and horrible at very least give her some kind of redemption at the end too because besides that she just like she just seems like ambiguously ethical by the it's kind of it really what what was the line where Colin Farrell comes
1: after that date where he blinds the guy with a blank hey ho drowning your sorrows huh
2: what sorrows you know being a sad old ugly little man one gay beer please how'd your date go my date involved two instances of extreme violence. One instance of her hand on my cock and my finger up her thing which lasted all too briefly. And then I was the way. One instance of me stealing five grams of a very high quality cocaine and one instance of me blinding a puffy little skinhead. So all in all, my even pretty much balanced out fine. You got five grams of coke? I got four grams on me and one gram in me which is why my heart is going like the clappers as if I'm about to have a heart attack. So if I collapse any minute now, please remember to tell the doctors that it might have something to do with the coke. Give us a gram then. How do I lay off? Because
0: it makes you the bread. You know what? I don't really give a fuck. Yeah, that's a great scene where, he, where he's just like, they're both on a bender. And then it leads to a goddamn uncomfortable scene where no one leaves unscathed. <laughs> no one leaves unscathed. You get a really pretty girlfriend there. She's not. She's a prostitute. Oh, I didn't know they had prostitutes in Bruges. Well, you gotta look <laughs> for them. You know, try a hostel. Not <laughs> a uh, hostel, a uh, brothel. Oh, a
1: brothel. <laughs> oh. Where are you from? Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh. Are you American?
0: I <laughs> won't we'll hold it against you.
1: Oh, yeah. that one. Don't hold it against me. Americans don't have a good rep. We're just fat elephants, apparently.
0: We're <laughs> not totally wrong. Well, you know, I'm 435 pounds, so I can't complain. Um, yeah, I think we talked about most changes. We kind of dressed it. We said um, Chloe's character. Maybe, I know, from this podcast, from us turning down the fucking in-your-face offensive things that Colin Farrell says a little bit, specifically towards them, towards um, that character might be, you know, it'd make it easier to swallow. It's it's hard. This movie really pushes you to, like, to like Colin Farrell.
1: (laughs) If he wasn't so good-looking and charming, you would hate him a lot faster.
0: Watch him in that, um, what the fuck? Oh, he's in, um... I think it discusses in a different pod- – I think it discusses in a Daredevil podcast or he's in that um, that Walt Disney movie about um, Mary Poppins and uh, he plays Mary Poppins – not Mary Poppins. He plays the writer of Mary Poppins' dad and he's so bad. He's like a drunkard. which you think Colin Farrell could do that really easily? He's so bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just remember – the only time I think of Colin Farrell was there was a joke Tina Fey made on Saturday Night Live. Where it was like the number one reason women can't find their vaginas in New York is because Colin Farrell's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every time. It's just a picture of women in New York with Colin Farrell's face in front of it. <laughs> so I guess this is part where we uh, insert whatever we want to do for uh, spoiler alert.
0: I was thinking uh, Vin Diesel from Triple X. I
1: live for this shit. <laughs>
0: Um, well, then, in that case, before we get into spoilers, let's, let's recommend this or not, and then we'll end it with that. Absolutely, hundred times, yes. Yeah, it's it's well acted, well written. Some of the direction is a scene when um when Harry's top of the tower he's he like this weird like finger gun thing I call him for it, it looks really weird, but most of the direction's mm. excellent. And but like you said, trigger warning. If if you don't like this movie because it's like, you know, heinous, the things they say are heinous, and it's simple as that. Like, I can understand why it's off-putting for a lot of people.
1: If you listen to this
0: podcast,
1: you're going to enjoy the movie. You're the type of person that's going to enjoy the movie because you're just a glutton for terror.
0: I don't know. If <laughs> if you and I, are, like, are kind of wincing at some of it. it means it's pretty high up there.
1: If you made it through a Rudy podcast, it's going to be a
0: <laughs> walk in the park for you. <laughs> and Vin Diesel here now. what's are trying to Ending. Um, so... If you don't Everyone get a shit about dies. Yeah, you don't give a, <laughs> a shit about spoilers. Um, Ray comes back to, to Bruges. Um, Harry and Ken have a space off. They shoot him in the leg, walks him down the thing. Then he shoots Ken in the neck. Ken kills himself to say, hopefully say Ray. And then Ray and Harry have a shootout. And then Ray is shot. Harry kills... The little person shoots himself in the fucking face. And then what do you think of the ending with um, the monologue and the kind of fade to black?
2: There's a Christmas tree somewhere in London with a bunch of presents underneath it. That'll never be opened. And I thought, if I survive all this, I'll go to that house, apologize to the mother there, and accept whatever punishment she chose for me. Prison. Death. It didn't matter. 'Cause at least in prison and at least in death, you know. I wouldn't be in fucking Bruges. But then, like a flash, came to me. And I realised... Fuck, man. Maybe that's what hell is. The entire rest of eternity spent in fucking Bruges. And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die.
1: I loved it. So first I'm going to start with like, I love the shoe drop moment in the bell tower because you think that like Ken and Harry have come to an agreement, you know, things are going to look, are looking up, everyone's going to wander back. And then it's like, he's outside. And they look at each other real quick, and then it just, boom. Like, mm-hmm. it goes. Um, I love the end, because, like, the head exploding, so he couldn't tell it wasn't a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, him being dressed like a schoolboy <laughs> for the film. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Harry just being like, you have got to stick to your
0: principles. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> That's a fucking, like, holy shit, we're doing this moment.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was less shocking than when Brendan Gleeson explodes and he's basically like a Quaid start
0: the reactor moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, that, this isn't a criticism, this is just something that's, like, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking that Ken jumps to save ray and then he doesn't save ray because i don't know yeah Do you, to my interpretation is ray's dead he gets into the ambulance and i don't mm-hmm. know they could save him but i think he's dead and that and the whole idea when he has a mom and said this is hell to me i'm gonna live like this forever but i don't know what I, do you think i i think it's it's definitely
1: like they they stick with the idea of um Bruges being purgatory because like he's stuck here and he, he's not he's happy but he isn't you know he can't really enjoy any happiness he finds uh, because he's always going to have that guilt there um, and then he's dying and he goes like for you know first time I think I want to live and I think that's kind of the irony of Bruges too
0: where he's finally
1: okay with living and now he's going to die
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's like the you could say is Bruges heaven because there's he has a good moment there. Is Bruges hell because he has like the worst moment there? But I think that it goes in the middle of that purgatory thing where like it's just like Colin Farrell's in purgatories and Bruges waiting to figure out where I'm going next. So then that Bruges is the catalyst of like mm. of, like oh I can actually move on with my life. But even though he can't though, because he comes fucking back to Bruges. He can't escape it. He's stuck in purgatory. Oh no. So it'd
1: be it that would be hell if he survives and he can't leave Bruges. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, but, but but even then though, if he does, if he does, if he does die, then that's I guess that is purgatory. I don't know now. Now I'm getting convoluted with my own metaphors. I'm just laughing inside because
1: the fact that the writer went to Bruges, Belgium, and was like, "This is the worst fucking place on earth." It's like you know, like this whole movie's premise is that Bruges is a shill. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that I like that's just so funny to visit a city and be like, I'm gonna write a movie about being stuck here.
0: <laughs> yeah, that um, well, it's it, it's both. It's a perfect dichotomy of like, it's beautiful, it's fairy tale like. I'm saying that ironically because like, it literally mm-hmm. becomes a fairy tale at the end, it's yeah. dreamlike. It literally becomes that, but it's also a fucking nightmare. So that's why it's. It's going to be purgatory. He's he's literally living out so he can go to the next step of his life, which, you know, to me it's death. He's he's going into purgatory, it's neither good nor bad, it kinda of is what it is, and then he's his final step, he leaves purgatory, it was just his death.
1: Right. He didn't do anything to like redeem himself really. Like it's not like he did some act.
0: No, but once again, like, purgatory is, in the Catholic tradition is, you're burning off your sins before you go on to the afterworld, after life. So, like, Colin mm. Farrell is sitting there, like, suffering, 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 and then he has a happy moment, and then it's taken away from him as he dies, so.
1: Hmm. Kind of like a quarantine zone for Catholics. <laughs> 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 um... Oh, we hadn't made fun of the Catholic Church yet. There we go.
0: Yeah, fuck them. Um, I'm trying to think. Do they, make, do they make any pedo jokes or no? Jesus fucking Christ. Shut the fuck up, fire department. Some of us are podcasting, Do real work. <laughs> and the Lord's work over here.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ, they can wait. All right. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't hear what you were saying. I was being rudely interrupted by public servants.
0: Hey, you pay for their their um, salary, so. I pay
1: my fucking taxes. You, you were turn me. off your
0: fucking siren.
1: You <laughs> inanimate fucking objects. <laughs> and cut.
0: All right, what you're saying? I don't remember anything else um, to end this. Um,
1: really uh, awesome with Brendan Gleeson. Blowing up as he steps off, like that—that that scene is, like, Shocking. it takes your breath away. Yeah, because you're just like, you're trying to figure out how he's gonna help him. You're, you're seeing, you're like, oh, he's gonna shoot at him, and then the fog's there, and you're like, well, what are we doing? And then he starts dropping change and you're like, and it's the second time I go, oh, that's clever. He's dropping the change to clear the path, you know, for him to jump. The first time I saw that jump, because there'd been nothing really that shocking. I mean, he got shot in the neck, but it wasn't like that. And then, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's shocking the first time. It's shocking the second time. my third watch, even though I know what he's going to do, I still jumped. I forgot there's like that crescendo in the music is so like cut. That tone shift is so perfectly. I always forget that he, like, Fucking explodes like a goddamn tomato. Like, I just, I was like, oh my god, it still got me. Like, it gets me every time.
1: Yeah. That's what should have happened to Vin Diesel when he fell out of that fucking plane in Columbia.
0: <laughs> An hour shorter and just ends on the perfect note of just like. Or, or when he jumps the
1: Corvette off the fucking bridge, he just. Shoot, doesn't deploy, and he just splats.
0: <laughs> Things to do for my. <laughs> Don't be a dick, dick! <laughs> hard cut alright
1: god I love triple uh, x
0: <laughs> um, listen to our
1: podcast about it
0: fuck that but um check out Imbruch it's worth it it's free right now and it's great
1: yeah we don't really announce what we're gonna do next on this Um, other than I have to kill Dan now so <laughs> there can only be one there can only be one and after what I fucking experienced in Lima, Peru. Fucking, I. Some things got to change, and one is the death of Dan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On our next podcast, it'll be Shane versus Dan as they talk about the room.
1: What if Dan and I did a glass half
0: full and you had to edit that? <laughs> talk about purgatory. I there was there was literally a thought in my head where I was thinking if Danny watches in Bruges, I can just sit here and mediate while you two ramble. But I think you two should pick a different movie and do whatever you want to, and I'll just sit here to make sure that like I get you guys to hit the four points, and then I'll just be quiet. And that's all. My only job is to just set the fuck up.
1: We'll we'll have to go together, and at the end, you will decide who lives and who dies. <laughs> oh, it's like a tryout for the home. <laughs> the Highlander rules for this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, we'll watch radio and we'll say who's the most offensive. <laughs> or we can just watch the Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are going to watch radio. It's football and it's about someone with downs in there.
1: Oh, with Cuba Gooding
0: Jr. Uh... <laughs> Who gets <say> to the word <laughs> the most?
2: Got to stick to your principles.
0: Oh,
1: i made it I, I made it through the incan
0: trials <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was thinking okay so Danny and i recorded that two weeks ago and i made the joke you're trapped and i was like and then like last week the florida thing happened i'm like is that kind of terrible timing <laughs> but it's like yeah, it's it's peru i'll tell you what close.
1: Those Mayan folk are real pissed off if you touch their treasure. I got locked in some fucking chamber, <laughs> and my eyes were taped open. Uh, at first I was excited, they said I was just going to watch School of Rock. But then it was just shallow Howl. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At least it wasn't um, envy with Ben Stiller and Jack Black when they do the the vapu rise. You remember that movie? Oh, where
1: Christopher Walken's a hobo.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they shoot him with an arrow. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was that discussion of it was way funnier than the movie was. Don't touch my treasure. <laughs> <laughs>